Today we are in week three of this series, Upside Down. We have discovered that uh, there is a normal that is embraced by most people in our culture, and normal isn't working, just isn't working. And we've been uh, trying to understand the teachings of Jesus about what it means to live a different kind of life, one that's on a narrow road rather than a broad road. And today we want to look at one of the great teachings in all of history. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus recorded this powerful event. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. And it has been touted by historians, theologians, philosophers in history as the greatest teaching in history, the, the most powerful sermon ever preached, you know, that kind of terminology. And what I want to do today is read from verses 3 through 12 from this powerful Sermon on the Mount. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, with special reference uh, to the last two verses, verses 11 and 12. So as you're able, would you please stand to hear God's word? Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God inspire us today through this important word. You may be seated. Jesus gave us a very inspirational thought when he stood before the crowd one day and he said, there is a broad road, a wide road that leads to destruction. And he said, many there are who are on that road. But he also said there's a narrow road that leads to life. But there are only few people who find themselves on that road. Now, we all know that, that we, we prefer to be on the road that leads to life. But that has with it some requirements. I don't know about you, but before I was on the narrow road and I was on the broad road... I found comfort in knowing that most of the people were heading the same direction I was, you know? Everybody's going this direction, this must be the right way to go. But that's a bad intuition, <laughs> that's a bad instinct. Jesus said the road that's broad, that is, that is filled with many people, is headed to destruction. But there's a narrow road that leads to life. And those of us who have discovered the courage to get off the broad road and to put ourselves on the narrow road, realize that it's not the easiest way to go. It is good. It leads to life. But it's not easy. So if you're taking notes, here's the key thought for this series. It's on the top of your outline. If you want what normal people have, then do what normal people do. If you want what few people have, then do what few people do. We've uh, considered that in the area of finances in our world... Normal looks like broke. Normal is paycheck to paycheck. Normal is incurring more and more debt. Uh, I don't know about you, but how many of you want something better than normal in your finances? I do too. And when it comes to relationships, uh, half of all marriages end in divorce. That's normal. 
That's what happens. And so relationships are filled with regret and fears and guilt. And let me ask you again, how many of you want something better than normal in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family? I do too. When it comes to life in general, you know, it's about, can I survive until next month? Can I make it to the end? Maybe at some point in my life, I can get a better house or I can yeah, have a nice vacation. Or if I can just keep my kids out of jail, that'll be a, that'll be a success. And maybe if I'm lucky, I can retire at the age of 65 or 70 and I can spend the rest of my life playing golf or gardening. I don't know about you, but I want something more than that. I want something more than normal. I believe God has something better for us in mind. So if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. If you want what few people have, peace, joy, security, meaning, sense of destiny, desire to please God with your life, then you'll have to do what the few people do. You'll have to do that. And what I hope that you'll embrace is the truth that not only is it okay to be different, but we have discovered that when we are led by the Spirit of God, it is way, 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 way better to be different. It's not just okay to be different, it's better, way better to be different. Yeah, because broke, broke is normal and overwhelmed is normal and broken relationships is normal and fearful is normal. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. That's the broad road. That's the wide road. Normal is where the crowd is going, and so therefore I have to pray to have the courage to exit the broad path and get on the narrow path and follow Jesus. Peter uh, recorded a reference from the Old Testament when God was speaking through his prophet, and the, and the phrase is this, you shall be holy for I am holy. And I have to tell you, when I was a new Christian, that was a daunting phrase for me until I unpacked it a little bit. You shall be holy, for I am holy. So God says, look, I am, I am pure. I am different. I, I am approaching world in a, from a different perspective, and you should as well. And that's what's implied here because it doesn't, it doesn't imply perfection because if I have to be perfect like God, then, you know, count me out. I can't, I can't manage that. But this work, work for holy comes from a Greek word, hagios, H-A-G-I-O-S, hagios, and it simply means to be set apart, to be different. And so if you want to live your life honorable to God, following the teachings of Jesus, when you're striving to please God, what that means is He will set you apart. He will differentiate you. He will make you be different. You'll become out of step with the normal. Walking on the narrow road implies some things, a distinction. A, a difference, a differentiation. That's what God promises. And so there are going to be people who question you. People on the, on the normal path, the broad road, they're going to say, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Why are you behaving that way? Why so odd? Why so different? And you'll be hit with this pressure to conform. King David helps us a bit with this, this pressure to conform in Psalm 69 in verses 9 to 12, he said, God, passion for your house has consumed me. Now, here's, here's David. And, of course, the, the sub-theme, the sub-phrase that comes with King David is this phrase that we find in the Scripture because God said of David, he is a man after my own heart. So we say, David, the man after God's own heart. Uh, what, a, what, a great, what a great label to put on someone. And so David said... God, passion for your house 
has consumed me. In other words, God, I want to serve you. I want to worship you. I want to, I want to be passionate about the things that you are passionate about. He goes on to say, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. In other words, David's saying, look, God, I want to be so close to you that when people insult you, that I feel that insult. I notice that insult. He goes on in verse 10, when I weep and fast, they scoff at me. When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. David's lamenting the fact that, that being different has consequences in the world. That if you decide to get on the narrow road, there are going to be folks who just don't understand you. They don't agree with you. They don't like you. I love verse 12. He says, I am the favorite topic of the town gossip and all of the drunks sing about me. Well, here's the deal. If you think you're different, but there are no drunk people in town singing songs about you, you could be a little more different yet. That was David's standard. So when you leave the broad road, listen, people will mock you. They will. They'll label you and, and, and they'll try to dissuade you from it. If you've ever been on a beach near the ocean somewhere, you may have noticed little sand crabs that, that uh, are in many places in the world. Something interesting about these sand crabs, you take a little container, a little bucket or something, and start collecting sand crabs on the beach. After you get a handful of those in the bucket, and one of them decides he doesn't want to be in the bucket anymore and starts to, tries to climb out of the bucket, you know what happens? Every time, some of the other sand crabs will grab that guy and pull him right back down. It's impossible for a sand crab to get out of the bucket because there are other sand crabs always yanking on them. And listen to me. If you leave the normal road and you get on a God-honoring road, there's going to be a lot of crabby people reaching out to you saying, don't leave us. Come back to normal. Join us where, the, where we're all going. Everybody's doing it. It must be okay. So you come along with us. Where do you think you're going? You may want, be wondering, why do crabs do it? I have no idea why crabs do it, but I can tell you why people do it. It's because there's comfort in the crowd. There's comfort in the crowd. And so people want to pull on you. Some of you, you're actually growing in your passion for Christ. You're making progress. You really want to please Him. Your word, His word is making a difference in your life, and you, you feel like you're being set apart. Well, let me just remind you of something. You're going to have to, for the rest of your life, if you're following Jesus honorably, sincerely, if you follow Jesus, there is going to be constant pressure to conform to the norm. Are you hearing me? All of your life, there's going to be a gravitational pull back to the cultural norm, and you'll have to fight to resist confirmation to the norm. Now, what I want to do this morning is just talk about two things. Pressure, two types of pressure that come to us who want to live on the narrow road. One is an inward pressure, and another is an outward pressure. It's on your outline. Here's the first point. The inward pressure is this, and that is the need to please. The need to please. We, we want to make other people happy. We do, don't we? We want people to like us. We want to blend in. We want to be normal. But whenever you feel like God is leading you to do something, the very first thought that sometimes drops into your mind is, I wonder what people are going to think about this. I wonder if they'll make fun of me. I wonder if they'll misunderstand me. I wonder what they're going to think. Let me put a scripture up on the screen for you. It's on your outline as well. Proverbs 29, 25. This will probably be the most important thing you hear today. Proverbs 29, 25. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, 
But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Do you see that? The fear of man will prove to be a snare. You may want to encircle snare in your notes. It's, a, it's from a Hebrew word. The word is moquesh, M-O-Q-U-E-S-H, moquesh. Moquesh is this Hebrew word. It literally means a trap or a snare or a hook that you might put on something or someone. You, maybe you've seen uh, the largest of animals, like a, a huge bull, bovine bull, with, with a ring in its nose, and people put a ring in its nose. Listen, you, you put, tie a rope on, that, on that, the ring of a bull's nose, and you can lead that bull anywhere you want him to go because he's got a ring in his nose. Um, for a man, this becomes true when we are afraid of what people think about us. God might be leading you to turn off your television one night a week or two nights a week because it, it occurs to you, listen, our kids are sitting in front of the TV and a, a computer screen so many hours every day, every week. Uh, we're going to shut that thing off. And at least one evening a week, we're just going to spend face-to-face interacting with each other. We're going we're gonna to build our family and build family values by shutting off all the technology and just interacting with one another. This is kind of a growing trend among young families. Maybe you knew about that. Maybe you don't. But if the first thought that comes to your mind when you hear God say, why don't you turn the TV off on Tuesday night? It's, you know, TV Tuesday. We're, the first thought that comes to your mind is, what are my friends going to think? What are my, what are my girlfriends going to say to me when I tell them we don't watch TV on Tuesdays? What, what happens when I'm not up to date on the latest reality show? And so we want, we, we find... Fear of man becoming a snare. There may be someone who hears God say to you, I want you to dress more modestly. I know all of your friends, all of your peers are dressing immodestly, even when they come to worship, but I want you to be more modest in your dress, more modest when you're out in public, more modest when you're at your work, more modest when you're at school. I want you to be more modest. And if the first thought that comes in your mind after God says, I want you to be more modest, is I wonder what my friends will think about me, what they'll say about me, And maybe you suffer from the fear of man. It could be that some of you may hear God say, I want you to become a foster parent. So many needy children in our world and culture. And foster foster care is one of those ways that we can actually reach out to these kids and make a difference in their lives. But if the first thought that comes to your mind after you hear God say, I want you to become a foster parent is, geez, we already have four kids. I wonder what my mother will say. I wonder what my mother-in-law will say. It could be that you suffer from the fear of man. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Now listen, I can promise you, so so many people, so many Christian people in our world, in our culture, are not doing what God has called them to do because they're afraid of what people are going to think. This is inward pressure. It's the need to please. It's It's a very serious issue. In our world today, let me put a couple of statements on the screen. The first one is this becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Does that make sense? Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God says about you. Remember, it's becoming obsessed with what people think about you that's the quickest way to forget. Here's the second statement. Surrendering to the opinion of others will draw you back into the normal road that leads to destruction. And that's why, parents, you have to teach your kids. You have to. You have to teach. It's not just okay to be different. It's better 
It's better, 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 better to be different than just to blend in and be normal because your kids need to have these values and they need to have a strong sense of family identity. You teach them that there are some things as a family that we will not do that normal people do all the time. And there are certain things that we will do that normal people will never do because we have a different set of values. Let me give you an example of this. Halloween's coming up here in a few weeks. Let me tell you a story. Many years ago, Beth and I were leading a, a small church in southern Indiana while I was in grad school, and it was Halloween, and some organization, local organization, had put a haunted house together. And when we grew up, we were always doing the trick-or-treat thing and all that. So we loaded up the church van, had about a dozen kids. We took them over to the haunted house. And let me just... Let me just say that it was gruesome. Uh, it was horrible. I mean, it was shocking to me. And you know, just you wonder, is this the right thing to do? Subsequent to that, let me, you know, I can fast forward now for a couple of years. Listen to me. There were kids that we took to that haunted house that night who had nightmares, not for a week, not for a month. They had nightmares for years after that. And it got my attention. And so I just decided, I'm going to find out what's going on. And so I started studying more in depth the history and traditions and practices around All Saints Eve and Halloween and all that stuff. And you know what I discovered? After I did some intensive research, I found out that there were some dubious origins to a lot of the practices that happen around Halloween. I found out that there's a lot of bad people who do weird and wacky things, even evil things around that holiday. And it just occurred to me, you know, I don't think so. Not anymore. And so I, we said to our boys, said, Go, moving forward, listen, we're not going to do Halloween. Because, you know, in the past you'd dress up like Scooby-Doo or a princess and you go trick-or-treating. But I just, we just said to the boys, look, this is something we're not going to do. This is what normal people do. But look, we're not going to do this anymore. So we're going to have our own party here at the house. There's going to be lots of fun, lots of candy. It's going to be great. We did the same thing at church. We still do that. We just make alternatives and make it more fun and make it more wholesome and make it exciting for the kids. We're, uh, that's not the, my point is not to draw a line in the sand over how you do Halloween. That's not my point. My point is that there are some things that I will refuse to play along with as a family and as a spiritual leader. Just say to that, no. Everybody's doing it. Well, I'm not doing it. You know, this was a, a common conversation I had with my boys when they were being raised. When they would say, use that phrase, everybody's doing it. I said, no, not everybody is because you're not. And that means that not everybody is. There's at least one person not doing it, you. Because we're not playing along with that. We're not going to do it. When it comes to certain parts of culture, count me out. Count me out. Christian leader Craig Gunn teaches this principle. Let me just give this to you. He says that wherever family identity is strong, where you are building in the context of your family core values and, and, and developing virtues, strengths of attitude and character in the lives of your kids, and you're saying yes to the right things and wrong to the no things, you, you, you're doing those things well. What happens when you develop... Craig Gunn says it this way. Wherever family identity is strong, peer pressure is going to be weak. 
But he says, wherever family identity is weak, peer pressure is going to be strong. Wasn't that beautifully depicted today in this drama? I mean, we, we understand the whole concept. And I just had no idea how things like this would plant a seed in our children when our family identity was so strong. And as parents as we were and are willing to live differently with a sense of purpose and passion. Now listen, it's not about the sake of being different. It's not about being upside down. It's not about that. You don't, you don't do different th- life differently just to be different. You do it as a reflection of your passion to live in a God-honoring way. Listen, we want to play to an audience of one, and so we want to honor God with our lives. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about that. Not trying to please anybody but Him. So this inward pressure exists, this need to please. And so that's something we have to overcome. Now here's the second thing. You want to write this down. The outward pressure is criticism. Outward pressure is criticism. When the normal people on the broad road hurl hurl insults at you for being on the narrow road, they say, hey, what's up with you? Why don't you come back with us? What are you you going to church all the time? Why do you have to go every week? Why are you becoming all churchy like that? And why are you going to the prayer meeting? Prayer is is stupid. Why would you go to some prayer meeting? That's ridiculous. Or why are you going to go serve people? Why are you going to go serve the homeless? There's always going to be poor people. Why are you wasting your time? Or, hey, you, you don't go to the movie with us, do you? No, you're not going because you think there's bad stuff in it. So who are you? You're Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. You think you're better than us. Yeah. Or you used to smoke weed with us. Come on back. You think you're better than us, right? You're Mr. Holier Than Thou. That's your, that's your new name. And so this pressure, this criticism comes, and it will. And they'll make fun of you. They will criticize you. They will persecute you. And when they do... You remember the words of Jesus. This is in John 15, verses 18 to 20. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, I would love you as its own. It would love you as its own. And as it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. They persecuted me. They persecuted me. You also. So just get ready for it. Get ready for it. It's part of being different. It's part of being set apart. It's part of being pure. It's part of leaving the normal road that leads to destruction and getting on the narrow road that leads to life. And let me just remind you again, normal is not working. It's not working. And normal people don't like it when you do something different. Here's the thing for me. And I'm just being really honest with you. I find great comfort when people make fun of me. It's comforting to me. I, I don't... Maybe there's something wrong with me. I don't know. I love it when they make fun of our church for being different. Because my goal has never been to lead a normal church. Do you believe me when I say that? My goal has never been to lead a normal church. I actually find it gratifying when people hurl uneducated criticism at us. You know my story, Beth's story, that both of us came to Christ in our uh, mid-teenage years And so there we were, we became followers of Jesus about the same time, and we were teenagers, and we saw a movement of God's Spirit among our peers and other uh, youth and young adults, and we've seen that. And so when we came here, it's one of the, the orientations that we had. And so over the years now, we have had a soft spot for youth and teens, and we continue to have that soft spot. And we have been criticized no end 
for the investment we have made in children and youth. Other pastors in the community, just to give you an example, these are actual quotes from other pastors in the community saying things like, I don't like the worldly nature of your youth program. We put up, the, put up this building originally to be primarily a youth building. <laughs> and so a pastor comes up and says, I don't like the, your, your youth group. It's all worldly. Really? I said, well, how many kids, how many youth are in your church? And he said, well, we don't have any youth in our church. I said, you don't have any? I mean, like, you don't have three youth in your church? No, we don't have any. And I said, well, I guess I like the way we're reaching kids better than the way you're not reaching kids at all. It's too bad you don't like our, our method. It's a shame. I don't like it that your church bus comes in my neighborhood to pick up kids. Really? Sunday afternoon? Sunday evening? My phone rings at my house. It's a, it's a local pastor. You're, I just saw your bus come into my neighborhood and pick up kids. I said, so? What is the matter with you? What is the matter with you? I don't like it that some of your church kids attend, some of our church kids attend your youth program. I said, what you should be happy about is that they're being reached for Jesus. And if you don't, if you don't like the fact that they're attracted to our program, then do something in your own church to attract kids. There's plenty of kids to go around. Plenty of needy kids. Plenty, plenty, plenty for everybody to reach, kids. They're out there, and they're needy. Trust me. There's, if, if every church in Delaware County had a dynamic youth program, there wouldn't be enough for all the kids in need. Parishioners, people within our church, say, say quote, we're investing how much money in children and youth ministries? How much money is that building going to cost? How much is that program costing? <laughs> And then that's always followed up. Those kids don't have any money. We can't afford to do that. Those kids aren't going to contribute anything to the church. What is the matter with you? I mean, seriously, when did this become about money? What happened to your warped psyche that made you come to a place where you believe that any of this is about money? None of this is about money. This isn't about who can afford it, who can't afford it. It's not about any of that. This is about reaching people for Jesus. That's what this is about. And it doesn't matter how much it costs. You pay whatever it costs in order to accomplish the mission. That's what you do. People are crazy. It doesn't matter. You're just too normal. You got to think out of the box. Did you know that in the past 14 years or so, we've had over 120,000 teenagers attend 180? Did you know that? If you didn't know that, you should know that. 120,000. <laughs> did, you know, did, you know did you know that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of youth and teens have come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and been baptized in our church? Did you know that? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Someone want to put a price tag on that one? What's the value on that? <laughs> With youth ministry and dozens of other innovative initiatives, we've 
planned and executed here in the life of our church, listen, criticize away. Criticize away. I find comfort in being called different. And I pray you do as well because when you follow Christ, listen, you will leave the normal road and you will be on a narrow road and people will criticize you for being different. They will. And I would say to you, don't worry when they criticize you for being different. Worry when they don't. Worry when you don't, because if they don't, chances are you're way too normal. You're way too normal. I'm telling you, if no one makes fun of the way you follow Christ, you're just blending in, traveling with the crowd. Don't worry when they call you different. Worry when they don't call you different. It's good preaching right here. Here's the deal, and I hope you'll hear this. I don't want you to follow somebody else's different. God doesn't have an upside down cookie cutter. He he has a custom upside down life just for you. He calls you to the unique places and opportunities and influences that he has designed you for. Maybe, Maybe God will call you to drive an old clunker car. Just drive an old beater because God has called you to get out of debt. And your goal in life, top priority, I'm gonna get out of debt and I don't care how I have to scrunch and scrunch and save, but, but one of the things I have to do is I have to drive this beater car, and I'm going to do it, and I don't care what anybody says. What does it matter if you're driving that? You can afford a better car. Why don't you get a nicer car? Why don't you get a new car? And you just hear people all the time. Why don't you act like the rest of us? Maybe God's calling you to downsize your house. And God knows the rationale for that, and you understand it, and so maybe that's what he's calling you to. Maybe God's calling you to fast and pray. So, so you're, you're at the office in the morning, someone pushes a donut at you and you say, no, I'm, no I'm, I'm not eating today. What do you mean you're not eating today? Well, uh, I have a sick uncle. He's really, he's really sick and I just sense God wanted me to pray for him and fast and pray. So I'm not, I'm not eating today. I'm fasting and praying for my uncle. What? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard really. Maybe, maybe God would call you to go to the inner city and start ministering to kids and mentoring kids, tutoring kids. People scratch their head and look at you. Maybe God's calling you to adopt children. That's the call of God, adopt a child or two or three. So I already have four of my own. What are people going to say? What are they going to think? Maybe God's calling you to leave the party scene. You know the party scene's killing you. Messing up your morals, the wrong crowd, bad company corrupts good morals. That's my story. Maybe God's calling you out of the party scene. And so you need to leave your old friends, get on the narrow road, make some new friends. And then after a few years, after the character of Christ has been formed in your life, then you can go back into the old party scene, go back in to meet your old friends and say, why don't you guys come on out of there? Because I've got good news. There's hope beyond this, which you think is so important. His name is Jesus. I offer him to you. Matthew 5, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. That's the Sermon on the Mount right there. (laughs) Greatest teaching in history. So I pray you are persecuted. I pray people don't understand. I pray that you are different. And you have to remember this. You can live your whole life trying to please people, but you can write this down. You can't please everyone no matter what you do. And that leads to this third and last point. 
I can't please everyone, but I can please God. Paul said, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. 1 Thessalonians 2.4. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Listen, if you want what normal people have, just do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, then do what few people do. You'll be holy, you'll be set apart, you'll be persecuted. But don't worry, when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, Jesus said that's what you can expect. Worry when you're not persecuted. Find comfort when they call you different because normal isn't working. And when you're led by the Holy Spirit of God, listen to me, normal doesn't work. Different is better. It is better. It is better. It is better. I've said this to you many times. I'm a glutton for God's blessing. Why do you do that? I'm selfish. Why do you lead that way? I'm selfish. Why do you... Why, why, do you, why do you encourage such activities, reaching people who can't afford to pay for it? Why do you do that in the life of your church? Because I'm selfish. Being different is better. It's better because that's where the blessing and the favor and the touch of God flows. When you, when you, when you get on the narrow road, the favor of God enjoins you. His wind fills your sails. He gets behind you. And suddenly the blessing and the favor of God accompanies your life. Now, are there going to be critics? Are there going to be people yelling, people complaining, people, people upset? You bet. But we're not going to submit to that inward pressure of pleasing, and we're not going to submit to that outward pressure of criticism. We realize we can't please everyone no matter how hard we try, but we can please God. And if you live to an audience of one seeking to please him, God's blessing will flow in your life. It's better, 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 better to be different than to be normal. Amen? I hope you can hear it. Let's pray for a minute. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit would direct us off the broad path because we know it leads to destruction and that we would be different for your name's sake. As we're praying today, let me ask, many of you are going to recognize that perhaps you're way too normal and you're beginning to sense God's call to you to live in a more honorable way. And if the byproduct is different, then so be it. In fact, deep down, you may want a little bit of different or a lot of upside down because you know normal isn't working. You know it isn't. So God, we pray we want to please you. We want to live for you. So let me challenge you today. If that's your prayer, you recognize there's more normal than there should be in your life and you want more of God in your life to please him. If that's you today, would you just lift up your hand? Just lift it up quickly and bring it back down. That's good. So many, so many. God, I thank you today for those who are truly serious about pleasing you. And I pray that you would give all of us the strength that comes by the power of your spirit to fight the desire to conform to the norm. God, help us to live for an audience of one rather than for people who change with the wind. God, I pray that we would be driven to please you above all else. And God, at the end of our lives, we might stand before you as you look at us and say, well done, good and faithful. There are many of you that that's what's standing between you and a fully surrendered life to Christ. Maybe you're afraid of what other people will think. It keeps you from following Jesus. You're afraid. 
that if you follow, followed him fully, that it would lead you to do something different? What if, what if I try to live a good life and then fall back into my old patterns? This fear of what people think keeps you from following him. Maybe that's you today. I've, I've been talking to you. And you're really honest. You're going to recognize, you're going to admit today, look, I'm not walking with Christ. I'm not serving him because I'm afraid. You're going to understand the most upside down way to save the world is that a good God became like us, became a human being in the person of his son Jesus, he lived without sin, and then he died on our behalf. He rose again on the third day. Here's the promise. When you call on his name, he will hear your prayer. Forgive your sins. You'll become a new creation. The old is gone. Everything will become new. Can you see the drama today? Coming clean. You're going to do that today in front of these people. And when you do, I'm telling you, you're going to be different because your life will no longer be your own. You're going to confess before men today because Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. So in spite of the fact that many people will think you different, today's the day you're going to say publicly, Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I'm ready to give my life to you. If they call me different, I don't care. I want to know you. I want to serve you. I'm sick of normal. Normal isn't working. So today, Jesus, before you and all these people, I want to give my life to you. If that's your prayer today, would you just lift your hand? Just lift it up quickly. Yeah, good for you. Everybody, now pray aloud after me. Out loud after me. Pray, Heavenly Father. Save me from my sins. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you. My life is not my own. Set me apart. Make me different. Make my life count. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.